ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is Wednesdays mean just one thing here on Hard to Paint, and that's the Dawn Patrol. And so I welcome back my friend, my colleague, my brother, the one and only Mr. Ross Jackson. Ross, how you doing today? Hey, man, doing great, bro. Always glad to be here with you on these beautiful Wednesdays. Dawn Patrol time and a holiday, a holiday edition. That's right. That's on top right. of that. You know, special <laughs> I didn't holiday. wear anything festive. <laughs> Me neither. You know, because I'm too busy moving into this house, man. It's just all right. work, 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 work. And uh, so I don't get that. I, I don't I'm not putting up the tree till this evening because we just started getting enough boxes out of the way. Right. It doesn't even go up till this evening. Wow. So, yeah. So um, speedy Christmas. That's right. And, you know, the daughter, all she's worried about is the morning anyway. Just, she ain't worried just about the tree. There. She's worried about what's under it. Exactly. <laughs> um, she's good. Um, <laughs> Uh, so let's just get right into it. We got to start with the game against Kansas City. Saints lose 32 to 29. A lot of people are more forgiving than I am sure. on this game. Um, I get why they're forgiving, but I'm going to need you to help me understand why I should be more forgiving. Yeah, I, I think that there, there's a couple of different things that you can look at. I think for the most part, people are forgiving or at least should be. The, the place where people should be forgiving if they choose to be forgiving is on the defensive side for for the Saints. Uh, yes, they gave up 34 points or 32 points. There is something to be said about the fact that they gave up four touchdowns in the red zone on four red zone possessions. That was a big problem for them early on in the season. We shouldn't ignore that because that is still a very big part of why they struggled so early. We don't want to see that sort of rear its ugly head again. But you could look at what the Saints did in terms of daring Kansas City to run the ball. The issue with, with what you saw is the offense not being able to get to stay on the field for the Saints. The Kansas City Chiefs, 92 offensive plays run in that game, which does have to do with the offense not being able to stay on the field. The Saints only converting one out of 11 third downs. It's extremely concerning. But also there were times where Kansas City was able to extend some of their drives as well, converting, I believe it was nine third downs on their side. Yeah. 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 So 50% is like it, it, that's, that's okay. But when your offense is going, ele- you know, one out of 11, not too good. So okay, I think so, the thing, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so let's do this. Cause on the defensive side, and like you said, there are things that contribute to this. No, nothing happens in a vacuum. It's, right. you know, like they got put in positions that are not necessarily great because your offense goes its first five series with no first downs. Mm-hmm. That that ain't going to help you to start right. a game. And I also, this is something that we talked about a while ago. I don't think the Saints are built as a comeback team. Right. That is not their forte. Um, because Drew Brees just cannot, the quick drives are not that, you know, two-minute warning is, two-minute drill is one thing. And that's why we had that conversation earlier this season about people say, well, why don't they just run the two-minute offense all the time? And we said, no, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. Right. You can't do, it, it'll fall apart. And um, so I think when the Saints are down 14 points plus against a very good team, it is a lot harder for them to come back. I guess, and it would be that for any team yes. coming back against Kansas City. You know, like any any elite team in this league. If you're down 14 to the Packers, if you're down 14 to the Bucks, if you're down 14 to the, the Seahawks, it's really hard to do it. But I think the Saints in in some areas right now are 
really the least likely to get quick strikes when they're in a deficit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the thing that really hurt them is that what they were daring Kansas City to do, which is run the ball, ended up working in Kansas City's advantage because they had the lead. Right. So the game plan was the right game plan, but the game situation didn't fit what they needed. Right. You know, look, Kansas City was able to run the ball. It was 40, 44 times somewhere around 180 there. yards. Yes. And and honestly, again, I'm not very concerned about that because that's what New Orleans came into that game willing to take. Right. They didn't play run defense with they usually play run defense. They didn't have their safeties up against the line of scrimmage like they usually do. They didn't do all of those things. Their concern was pin your ears back, get after Patrick Mahomes, get pressure on the quarterback. They got which after they him, do. which they did. Yes. Four sacks. But remember what we talked about, too, also earlier on in the season, the importance of the timeliness of those sacks. Three of those in the first half, only one of them in the second half. So you get more of those sacks toward the, the second half. Maybe something starts to shift a little bit within that game and when the Saints offense actually was at least able to move the ball. I will never say that the Saints offense at any point in this game was clicking outside of the one the one uh, touchdown drive where Drew Brees completed six of eight passes on it. And that was a, that was a hurry up type situation. Um, So I think you have to look at that. They did give up a ton of rushing yards, but that was their intent coming into this game. And then on the back end, they played really well in the secondary. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't complete a single pass out of six attempts beyond 20 yards, the line of scrimmage. The two longest plays were 23 were each 23 yards. So they eliminated the big plays, which is what I was actually going into this game saying, look, those are going to happen and you just kind of have to live and die by those. And that's fine. But what can you do in terms of shoring up the middle of the field? And they did a good job there. I think CJ Gardner Johnson played one of his best days in coverage of his career, his short career so far. But I think that there are things to be forgiving about over on the off over on the defensive side and maybe even forgiving isn't necessarily the word more so than just understanding that, look, the saints did defensively what they could do in that situation. And unfortunately the offense wasn't able to capitalize on it. I guess what you do want to look at, too, and again, context is so important here, is Mm -hmm. you got two consecutive games where you gave up over 400 yards. That had not happened this season. They Mm -hmm. didn't give up 400 yards in any game this season prior to these last two weeks. 425 rushing yards over the last two games. And like you said, Mm -hmm. they, they, you don't want to give up 180. And part of that at times was like, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, before he got hurt, was on his way to being a 100-yard rusher Mm -hmm. uh, in that game. Uh, the yards per play, you know, people say well, they did a great job with yards per play, keeping Kansas City to four and a half, which is well under their average. I would also say that part of that is because Kansas City was able to run the ball so much more mm-hmm. in that. So it's it's a give and take. But I will right. absolutely give you all everything you say on the on the secondary. I'm 100 percent with you on there. They took away Tyreek Hill. They took away the big play for the most part from Travis Kelsey. He had some big plays in sense of extending drives. Mm-hmm. He did not destroy them um, the way he had done other teams this season. So coverage, yes, I was really impressed by. But I also agree with you on the timeliness of the pressures, uh, particularly in the second half when they needed to get there right. um, and get the get the the Chiefs off the field, even when they weren't scoring, they needed to get them off quicker, um, and that just didn't happen enough. Um, but I think part of it too, yeah. You, you, if your offense is only going to hold the ball for 18 minutes, right? For 18 minutes, and you're on the field for 41 minutes plus. At some point, the fatigue is going to set in. Absolutely, and you're Absolutely. not going to get that rush that you thought you were going to get. Then Cam Jordan gets ejected, which mm-hmm. he earned it. I'm sorry, he did. Yeah, he did. I don't. I know a lot of people trying to make excuses for the guy, but like he the play was way behind him, and he threw a punch. Like 
It's a it, you it's, threw it's the punch. Simple. It's, it's that, fine. It, it's simple though. But yeah, so I mean, Cam knew. Cam, yeah. he knew he shouldn't have done it. And, but and then also you have guys go down a little bit at the end too, with Nixon and, and some 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 minor injuries. Yeah. Um. So I'm not as, as but it's just you know the 34 first downs that had that was right. not even close to the season high. I mean they right. blew away the season high in that the, the 92 plays was like the most in a decade almost. And it yeah, was since the last time the Kansas City Chiefs did it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just like those things. The offense putting them in that position. So let it. Let's get into the offense on that because 285 total yards, and you can say whatever you want about Breeze coming back, and I would give him a B minus in this game mm-hmm. because it's, it's fair. You take the receivers into account. You take the line play into account, which was not great at times. Uh, the running game was again a non-factor. Right. 285 yards. The only two teams they did worse than offensively against were Tampa and San Francisco, and those are top six defenses. Right. Kansas City is a middle of the road defense. Yeah. And, and it's that's just, a little I mean, concern. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, the, the, the fact that Marquez Callaway being designated to return off of injury reserve is such a big deal. Getting Michael Thomas back going into playoffs is a big deal. I, I would almost say that I, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but I would almost say that Marquez Callaway coming back and Traquan Smith getting healthy are more important almost to this offense than Michael Thomas being back. Uh, for the playoffs. And, and the only reason why I mentioned that is because both of those players, Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith, depending upon the extent of Smith's injuries, have the ability to come back in a time to where the Saints can still lock up the division and, and fight for playoff seating. But also the fact that they give you guys that have made up for Michael Thomas's absences earlier on in the season. So it, it's, it's, it's a context thing. But obviously getting Michael Thomas back is a huge benefit and there's no sugarcoating him not being a part of the offense, especially when you can't run the ball. Kansas City threw everything that they had at locking down Alvin Kamara, and they did a pretty good job at it. I mean, Alvin Kamara still had 94 total yards in this game, and he still had a touchdown that was basically a touchdown run, but it's going to go down as a touchdown pass for Drew Brees because it was a shovel pass or, I guess, a little you know forward pitch. But um, I think you have to look at a couple of different things over on the offensive side. The Like you said, the line play was – not good at all in the run game. It was better in the passing game, but it didn't matter in the past as much in the passing game because you were out there with three practice squad wide receivers for the majority of this game and in little Jordan Humphrey, Juwan Johnson and, and Tommy Lee Lewis. And I guess Tommy Lee Lewis is a veteran. So, but he's still on the practice squad, you know what I mean? And he's, he's still a, an unproven. But veteran with not many catches. Right. It was like nothing yeah. really going on. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think you have to, we have to keep in consideration that we have to keep in consideration as well, the continued lack of productivity from Jared cook, which has been very interesting to see. Uh, he's hit some kind of a wall. The miscommunication between he and Drew Brees is really odd and, and, and interesting too. I don't know if maybe that route is a route that is, is an option that maybe Jared cook would have gone taken one with Taysom Hill with better arm strength. And they taken it decided to take a different one with Drew Brees, whatever that option was it, they were not on the same page there. Um, and so I think that those things are there. Drew Brees actually in terms of his ball placement and you know, the things that we're used to seeing him be very efficient at, and we saw him struggle with early on in the season actually looked fine in those areas with the exception of a couple of bad decisions. Actually, mm-hmm. I would say probably three or four bad decisions throughout this game, two of them early, including the legerious need interception that set up Kansas city to go up 14 to zero. And there were a couple and, of other interceptable balls that he, yes, threw that just yeah. didn't get taken away. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw the one, the one that Tyron Matthew almost had in the, in the end zone, like credit to Tyron Matthew for his range on that play. Oh, that that, yeah. Just, that's, that's a Tyron that Matthew play. Incredible by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there definitely were, were a few of those, but that's one of the first ones that jumps to mind, but you know, maybe a guy with, you know, different ball velocity or something that doesn't almost get picked off in the end zone. You know what I mean? So there's, there's still something to be said about Drew Brees and all of those, but just not having that, you know, essentially being impoverished over the, in the offensive side in terms of the the wealth of weapons that you usually have losing Ty, uh, Traquan Smith was pretty big too. Uh, you look at the receiver that had the most yard separation in this game, I believe is low Jordan Humphrey at about 2.84 yards. Drew Brees usually has somebody that's over three yards of separation separation in these games and oftentimes if he doesn't at least he has Traquan Smith who he really trusts in those you know uh over the middle contested catch situations and he he lost him you know early enough in the game that you could definitely tell the difference um one of the things you said that you wanted to see was Alvin Kamara Cook and Mm -hmm. he got some yards yeah but this is the sixth time in the last seven games that he's rushed for less less than 55 yards Mm mm-hmm um, it's, it's, it's become really noticeable. Uh, yeah. first nine games, we talked about this almost 500 yards on the ground, almost 700 yards receiving 11 touchdowns last five, less than 300 yards rushing less than 100 total receiving yards mm-hmm. in the last five games, only four TDs. Yeah. This is not, this cannot, it cannot continue. No, 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 no. This is something that they need to figure out and get fixed quickly. And if it's because all of a sudden defenses have figured something out that works, then so be it. Change what you're doing. And Sean Payton is very good at doing that. Um, if it is offensive line play and the run game, which is certainly what we saw this week, that that needs to be addressed and that can stand to improve. Uh, usually it's interesting because we would see Nick Easton come in for Cesar Ruiz on passing sets, but Cesar Ruiz was always trusted in terms of those zone, zone blocking schemes and, 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 and run blocking. And we saw Cesar Ruiz actually play a better game in the pass blocking game than he did in the run blocking game in this one. So it was interesting to see that flip, but I do think that that's something that they'll get on track because they don't have a choice. They need that. Like they need Alvin. The, the fact that Alvin Kamara has fewer than 100 receiving yards over those last few games, that's a little bit less surprising to me because of the, the oil and water situation mm-hmm. with Taysom. Yeah. But, uh, but definitely want to see them be able to get Alvin Kamara back out on the perimeter, you know, opening up his run game a little bit more as opposed to throwing him between the tackles, you know, four or five times early in the game and then having to go away with the go away from the run game because you're down 14 to zero. You know what I mean? So it's it's game situation things, too, that that contribute to that for sure. And Latavius, four carries, mm-hmm. four carries. It, it, yeah. it just that part early on. Again, I thought that they would try to establish that physicality against a team that has given up a lot of rushing yards this season. Yeah. And they didn't come out and, and dominate up front. And, and I thought that right. that would have been the approach. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned it that way, because that's really what it is, right? Like the Saints were interested in doing that. They came out and over the first nine plays, four were run, five were pass. That's consistent with their 48% run percentage that they've had so far this season, which is well above what we talked about before the season started about where they're successful, you know, season wise um, or over the, the course of an entire season. But it's, it's, you know, well within, you know, a, a good balance to run, four out of those first nine plays that's not out of the ordinary but unfortunately all of those plays were ineffective they weren't able to do anything up front as you mentioned and so then by the time that they get their third or fourth possession they're down multiple scores 
And so they have no choice but to throw themselves back and try to throw themselves back into the game. And then that's what ends up putting you in a situation to where you have to go away from the run game, not because you want to or because you're not interested in it, but because it's what the game situation forces. Um, let me see. Uh, since we don't have too much time, let's talk also about, also about the penalties because that is another thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't been... want to get into the officiating as, as far as like whether the calls – people say, you know, well, they should have been more holding calls. You could always call more holding, but you can only deal right. with what is. Right. And the Saints, again, 10 penalties. Mm-hmm. They are – therefore, you know, we know over the course of the season they've been one of the most penalized teams in the league, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. And they found themselves in that position again. Yep. They're there again. And it's discipline. Like it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, but you know, we can sit here and we can complain about refs all that we want and everything like that, but none of that matters. You have to play up to a certain standard that has to meet that criteria. And if you're not doing that, you're going to get, you're going to get the penalty called. Now there were some of them that are contextually, you know, Demario Davis getting flagged for a face mask at the end of the game. Like he was going to do anything he had to do to make sure that that ball carrier came down. I mean, so, so there's certain things, right? There are certain, penalties that you take kind of like if you're uh, there was the, the Cesar Ruiz hold uh, on the screen game in the screen game early on because he was trying to keep, I believe it was Alvin Kamara from getting decapitated by a, a linebacker that had a free shot at him. You know, so there's certain things like that's where, you know, if you, if you're one-on-one with a, a player on a fast break, you either force them to shoot the free throws or you give them the easy bucket. You know what I right. mean? And so like there are things that are contextual, but you know, over on the defensive side, illegal contact holding before the throw, things like that, like all of those, those give up first downs, those extend plays. And a few of those ended up in scoring drives, which is what we see often for the saints penalties in the end zone that put the team, you know, that put the opposing team up on the one yard line. It's why their red zone scoring percentage was so high early on in the season. And we're seeing it again here over these last couple of games with these penalties in the end zone or at least in the red zone that give them advantageous field position so before we get into minnesota mm-hmm. the positioning now for the saints yep they're still they still have a shot at the one it is yep. it is a a longer shot than it was mm-hmm. but they're still there um but it feels much more likely at this point considering what what the last two weeks look like for their contenders the other two contenders mm-hmm. vying with them, Green Bay and Seattle, that it feels like the two is where the Saints are going to end up at this point. Yeah. Is that is that where you would see it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's exactly right. Uh, you know, for for the Saints, what their focus needs to be right now is winning their next game. That needs to be their focus because they still need to wrap up the division. Is the other part and keep themselves from not being able to drop any further than at least the number three seed. If they don't wrap up the division and everything collapses, they could end up as low as the seven seed more than likely the six seed, but they could end up as low as a seven seed. It would need a whole formula of things to happen or if they end up that low, but they could end up lower than they need to. So if they get one more win, they guarantee themselves the one, two or three, they'll have to win out. Seattle will have to win out and green Bay will have to specifically drop their week 17 game against uh, Chicago in order for the saints to be able to overtake that number one seed. That doesn't feel very likely and understandably. So, um, but, you know, it, it, that's the situation that they're in front of right now. But their focus needs to be on at least winning this next game and winning out uh, will definitely help them, of course, maintain that number two seed. So they are home against the Vikings, but it's on mm-hmm. short rest. Yep. And you just came off those 92 plays. And that's yep. just 92 plays that count. That's not 92 snaps. Right. Just, I believe it's 98 total Right. for that defense. So all those snaps and you send these guys back five days against the team that offensively has always had success against these saints. 
Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins has been phenomenal against the Saints in his career. Just just with the Vikings, 10 touchdowns, one pick, never had a rating lower than 96 in any game against right. the Saints. Then Dalvin Cook rushed for over 200 yards total in two games against the Saints. Hasn't fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. You got Justin Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen. Yep. They're, the, the, it feels like this is a shootout game. And the last thing in my mind the Saints need to get into is in another shootout. Yeah, because they don't have the firepower. They don't have the firepower on the offensive side to be able to keep up with it. Even with getting Marquez Callaway back, assuming that he he has been designated to return, he still has to look good in practice and earn his way back to the field on Friday, but he could be back. But even with Marquez Callaway there, it gives you another X receiver that can make some catches akin to Michael Thomas's style of play, but he's not going to open up you know, the field. He's not going to be a field stretcher. He's not going to be a deep threat, anything like that. So you're still going to rely on Emmanuel Sanders for those who hits those, you know, every now and then we saw the big 51 yard pass to him last week, but there's not really anybody out there to help them in terms of a quick strike, big time play outside of Alvin Kamara, uh, who, who has struggled historically. Struggled. Against the Vikings. Yes, exactly. The, 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 but I, I will say that one of the reasons why he has struggled against the Vikings is the Vikings have done a very good job at the second level with the linebackers in defending him. They don't have they that don't advantage know. this time around because no. they don't have a single linebacker left at this point right now. Their based defense on is their awful practice this year. This is awful. Right. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, like, this is another one of those games where I want to say, let Kamara cook. I'm not going to, because the last two times that I said it, he hasn't. So I'm going to just shut the hell up and then just wait and see what happens. Uh, But this should be at least, if nothing else, a a bigger game for him because there'll be a lot of opportunity because I would imagine that the Vikings are going to be in a lot of four down linemen, six defensive back, one linebacker type situations, which is going to be, that's all day for guys like Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. So what we would like to see in this game, because of the fact that the defense doesn't match up as well with this Vikings offense, depending upon whether or not Marcus Williams plays, I think Marcus Williams is such a big part of a successful game plan on Friday in terms of them being able to limit the passing yardage. If he's not able to play, then you have to keep the ball away from, from Minnesota. You have to have your own 41 time of 41 minute time of possession type game. And that's going to be a, a big part of it is succeeding in the run game and it, or at least succeeding in the, the short passing game, right? The short, quick passing game that allows you to continue to open it up. So it's going to be interesting to watch the defensive line for the Saints too is going to be key in this one. Absolutely. Um, because they have to put pressure on cousins and that's something that they have done well in the past. They have hit him and knocked him down and sacked him. Um, I think he's almost three sacks a game. They're averaging against him since he joined the Vikings. Right. Um, but again, it's when those pressures are coming and can you finally force some turnovers? Cause that's the part that's a big cousins part. is usually a guy who, if you give him pressure, he will turn it over. He right. has not turned it over against the saints historically. So they need to find a way because even the chiefs, the one turnover they did get against the chiefs, you couldn't really capitalize on it because it ends up being a safety rather than a touchdown. And it's just, I, they have to find something extra has to come up. I think in this game, unless they are dominant physically at the point of attack on both yeah. ends of the ball. Yeah. And we have to see that aggressiveness from Sean Payton too. I, I'm still very curious about the decision down 29 to 32 around two minutes left in the game to kick it off as opposed to go for an onside kick. Either way, you have to try to force a stop for this defense. It doesn't matter. Like either way, the defense still has to do that same thing. They have to stop the Kansas city offerings from picking up a first down at least give the team a shot at another possession, right? You didn't have a lot of opportunities to go for it on fourth down because you you lost so frequently on first and second that your fourth down or, or yardage by average was around six yards. 
the one time that they had a fourth and two, they were able to go for it. And then that helped them extend the extend that drive. You're going to need to see all of that, but you're right. Stealing those possessions is going to, first of all, attribute to the time of possession. We'll attribute to total plays run by the Saints offense. And then we'll also attribute to momentum as well. And you're right. Like, look, this can't, this uh, Minnesota offensive line is horrific. And we've seen, the Saints now finally capitalize on a bad offensive line the way that they did against Kansas City. They put pressure on Patrick Mahomes on 44% of his snaps. Against any quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes, that matters. That matters big time. And particularly against a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, that absolutely matters because he has a penchant for making mistakes. And he's very Matt Ryan-esque that when he makes one, he'll continue to make them, right? So you have to be able to take advantage of that. So here's what I look for the Saints defense to do in this game. And it is, and I, I, I jumped to this immediately because I just brought up Matt Ryan. It's the same game plan that you ran, that the Saints ran against Atlanta. Take away short and intermediate options, force Kirk Cousins to hold on to the ball long enough for those deeper routes to, you know, trying to hope for those deeper routes to develop. Cover those well with Marcus Williams if he's healthy. If it's not Marcus Williams, then it's probably going to be PJ Williams back there. We haven't really seen hold a single high safety role since, I guess, Tennessee last year near the end of the season. A much and different so, offense. Much different offense. And so you, but either way, like this is what they need to be able to do, right? So they have to be able to take away short and middle, short and intermediate, force it to go deep, and then get home with four down linemen. That's going to be the big part of it. They have the talent to do it. It's just whether or not the game plan is going to be able to be executed and how Dalvin Cook factors into all of it. Let's talk about the injuries real quick on the defense. Um, Shea Hendrickson hurt his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is he going to do, do we think he'll be ready to go on Friday? I there's there is I'll say that there is a better chance he does than he doesn't. I I can't say definitively one way or another, but the fact that he would have been estimated limited with that neck injury, which is something we have seen him immediately go DNP for before in his career, then I think that that's a good sign for him. We'll see what the Wednesday and Thursday, yes, Wednesday and Thursday reports end up looking like, uh, but they they'll need him. They'll need him because Trey Hendrickson now has gotten to the point to where he's getting sacks because he's beating the guy in front of him as opposed to uh, having opportunities opened up for him by the other three down linemen. And so you want that on the field against Kirk Cousins. If you were betting on this game, you know, it's, it's to me, it's a very hard game to predict. It just, yeah, it it, it, because of the last two weeks, because I'm still, we have to see how Drew Brees' body reacts from mm-hmm. this. I mean, he's not going to tell you anything. He's going to say he's good to go. <laughs> Yeah. We don't know how I loved his, I loved his, you know, nobody's a hundred percent at this point in the season. And it's like, yeah, but also nobody's, nobody's got 11 seen. fracture, 11 rib fractures, Drew. Yeah. Like it's not the same. Like, no, no. I mean, <laughs> he took some shots. He took a couple shots against yeah. Kansas city and, and right in the rib section. Yeah. There was one that got right up under that right shoulder. Tyler and, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> it, he came with two arms. He said, but. And, and that, we talked about that, too. Last week, we said, that's who they're going to send. They're going to send Honey Badger to go take care of those ribs. And he, yeah. he, he put a couple hits on him. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that that's a factor. That's certainly a factor to see how his body responds after that and, and what that they're able to do to adjust. Because, like you said, this is really it. This is a conference yeah. game again. It's at home. You have It's your last home game of the season. Right. You have to win this one. There's no We, we kept talking about the, the, the diminishing margin for error. It's gone it's gone that's it like it's it's gone at this point i mean yes can they still win the division absolutely they can still win it if they lose this game because they have a a, a ne- another game on the road with 
uh, Carolina. But the thing about Carolina is that they're essentially done for. They're going to be trying to evaluate young talent. And the only way for them to evaluate young talent moving forward is to play aggressively because they have to see how those guys produce. And they and the just fired their GM too, which means right. that a lot of guys are auditioning to see if they're going to be around for the next regime. Absolutely. And so all of that is, is incredible, you know, context and motivation for those guys to go out there and, and perform their asses off. And the Saints are going to have to try to keep up with that much easier to be able to go into that environment. If you already have this win against Minnesota. So, you know, is their season over if they lose both of these games? No, because they're a playoff team, no matter what, but not the way that you want to walk into the playoffs. I mean, they, the Saints in, 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 in Pittsburgh right now, there's two different attitudes about both of these teams, which is really interesting. There's still a lot of hope around New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I think because, because there's the expectation that they're going to get pieces back, whereas Pittsburgh right now is struggling with Everything. what they're going to have. Yeah, well, like they, they've got – and the injuries that they do have over on the defensive side, they're not getting back for the playoffs. So this is just what this team looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it, it, it's interesting to, to watch it. But, you know, the Saints, if they, if they were to drop this game against Minnesota, it, it does diminish uh, a ton of opportunity for them. Yeah, their floor has been lowered. Yes. Yep. Their ceiling yep. is still high. Ceiling's still high, right. But their floor has been lowered over the last couple of weeks, and that's that's been – the 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 concerning part um justin jefferson certainly is going to be an issue for the saints uh mm-hmm. but again defensively i don't see where minnesota has a whole bunch i think like you said yeah. they, where do they throw at them i i don't know schematically other than a 416 alignment but that like you said that seems to play more so in the running game's hands and, it, and drew Brees loves those kind of alignments too because there are always holes Yes. And that's going to be a big, big part of it. Even if they do find some ways to maybe move a safety down in a linebacker for the game where they elevate some practice squad guys or, or whatever it might be, or maybe some of these, you know, one of these linebackers that was DMP on Tuesday plays, like there's still the opportunity for that, like an Eric Kendricks or something like that, potentially finding his way back to the field. We'll see what happens. But in any case, the, the thing about that is that even when they do that, like Minnesota doesn't have the best pass rush right now either. And so they're going to have to dedicate, you know, those linebackers to blitzing. And when you do that, then you're forcing your defense into zone, unless you're Greg Williams, but unfortunately they're smarter than that. And so you're forcing the defense into zone. And that's what, you know, Drew Brees is going to pick that apart all day. If that's the case, especially knowing that the, the best three members of the secondary are your two safeties who are too far away from the line of scrimmage to do anything about it. And then one rookie corner in Cameron Dantzler that Drew Brees has taken every rookie corner that he's faced so far that has had a good season and turned him right back into a rookie. And you also have another one over on the opposite side, Jeff Gladney. And the Saints will come out in a lot of 12 personnel to where they'll be able to take advantage of the, the you know, skinniness at this uh, for the Minnesota defense with having no second level players. But then they'll roll out those those. 13, excuse me, the uh, 11 personnel with three wide receivers is what happens is that the way that Minnesota adjusts is that they'll take Jeff Gladney and instead of keeping him on the outside, they'll move him to the inside at the slot corner. And then they'll put Chris Jones out there who didn't have a job four weeks ago in the NFL. And he has struggled massively so far this season. And then all of a sudden you've got a matchup like Marquez Calloway or Emmanuel Sanders on half a cornerback. And then you also, whoever's on the inside is going up against a rookie perimeter corner that's being forced to play inside because he does it marginally better than Chris Jones does. So there'll be little matchup things that they'll be able to take advantage of at really every level. It's just going to be up to the talent of the uh, of the wide receivers that are available playing B 
beyond their potential in this game. And hopefully Marquis Calloway is able to help with that. The last X factor I, w- I would think um, to me is uh, I think this is a game that's really suited for Emmanuel Sanders to have a big game. This is mm-hmm. an eight catch. It feels like an eight catch game for him, for me where yeah. he can work, you know, all those soft zone areas um, and maybe find himself behind the defense a couple of times like he did uh, last week with Kansas City. I just think it just feels like to me, if it's not one of the backs, it's it's his game because yeah. it's the perfect situation for Drew Brees to find him. Yeah, and if you think about it, he's the guy on the offensive side, particularly at the wide receiver position, that has the most chemistry with Drew Brees at this point. And you saw it in that big play against Kansas City because that was a quick snap. That was Drew Brees yep. understanding that Kansas City was slow to get back to its set taking it that's something Taysom Hill doesn't see that right like that and that's no slight of Taysom Hill it's just just that's just how good Drew Brees is he's been playing for 20 damn years like that's what it's going to be but you get Drew Brees out there and all of a sudden he's going to see those things you get Emmanuel Sanders who has been in, in the NFL for more than a decade he sees those things as well and they're able to take advantage of it so I think you're right I think this is a big potential there's a there's potential for a big game from Emmanuel Sanders here at the wide receiver position Quickly, before we wrap, uh, Pro Bowl announcements came out this week. Mm -hmm. The reaction has been um, (laughs) less than joyful from Saints fans. Uh, To me, Demario Davis is the one. We can talk about Trey Hendrickson, and to me, Trey Hendrickson has to wait his turn. This is how it goes with pass rushers. You've got to show you can do it more than one time, unless you had like a Javon Kurz rookie year where you broke records and stuff like that. Right. And that's not Trey Hendrickson's season. It's it's a very good season, but it's not like people expected him to be that guy. Demario Davis, that's a problem. Yeah, the fact that he has never been to a Pro Bowl in his career, somebody had, over at uh, Canal Street Chronicles said that he's the defensive Marcus Colson, which is, you know, which is an interesting way to look at it. However, at least, you know, at least uh, uh, DeMario got all pro odds, uh, all pro nod last year. I think he'll get that again this year. But I mean, I, I think it's it's not that hard to look and see where you want to make the argument about who doesn't deserve to be on the list that would have opened up an opportunity for DeMario Davis. I mean, Fred Warner, who's an outstanding young talent, is is you know shown to be good in coverage 65 passer rating allowed just over 60 percent completion percentage allowed only allowed i think two touchdowns on the season he's got a couple of interceptions that's all great but you know you look at what he's done so far in comparison to mark to demario davis who's got what four sacks uh, 10 hits on the quarterback 10 tackles for a loss and fred warner doesn't even have statistics in some of those you know, you look at the tackling, 101 tackles, 106 tackles. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Even if you if you just box score scouting, that show you that Demario the worst Davis. way to do this. Yeah, that that Demario Davis is is you know at least like a part of that conversation. But when you look at the context in terms of all of the different things that he does on the field, him as a leader, him quarterbacking that defense, him being you know in the backfield on one play and then being 15 yards down the field on the very next play and then making a play on the perimeter of the very next play, uh, you know. It, there's there's nobody that does it the way that he does it and the mental responsibilities that he yes. has play in and play out the emotional responsibilities that he that he has for this team yep. um it's just i don't think that that's it's comparable at all and it's just a, it's a strange sl- slight for someone who yeah. has been an all pro right. that's the part it's right. like usually guys who miss this are not you don't see all nba guys not making the all-star team right. you don't see cy young winners not making right. the all-star team but right. you're seeing an all pro who will probably be an all pro this season, most likely. Mm-hmm. 
And you, you can't get on a Pro Bowl team, which everybody makes the Pro Bowl now. Right. Everybody gets to the Pro Bowl now. Yeah. And he can't get in. And it just it feels like. Again, it's, I think it's an underestimation of how effective the Saints defense has been this year mm-hmm. because it's not a sexy defense. It right. doesn't get a whole bunch of takeaways. You know, it doesn't do those types of things. Um, but, it, it, you know, I, so I think that by and large, Demario Davis doesn't, if unless you're watching him week in and week out and you know how good he is, mm-hmm. like you said, people who box score watch and fans right. by and large are not going to understand just how good a linebacker he really is. Yeah. And that there are very few people in this league. I think there are roughly 29 teams outside of New Orleans that would love to have a Demario Davis on their squad. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. He, he's he's an incredible asset to any defense that you put him on. Saints are lucky enough to have him in New Orleans. And the good news is that uh, you know Demario didn't have a a Pro Bowl boost in his contract for this season. So there's good news. He does have that All Pro boost though. So at least hopefully he'll he'll get that nod first or second team. The other one I just want to hit on is, is Andrew mm-hmm. Pete. Like, we, hasn't he we been talk, hit on enough? We talk about this so much, but it's it's just so weird because again, it's about he is consistently good, mm-hmm. but when he's bad, he he's big bad, so bad, and that's I think that that's what hurts fans is when they they're like not Andrews, you know, like like right. really out of anybody on this line this year. Andrus gets the third nod in a row. It's yeah. it just feels it feels weird. That's yeah, it just yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I've had people ask me like, who the hell is voting Andrus Pete into the Pro Bowl? And the fact of the matter is that it's the players and it's the coaches, right? Because it's it, it's split three ways. It's fans, players, coaches all carry it. It ain't the fans. It it's <laughs> not the fan. The fans sure are only voting for him. Um, maybe some fans from other teams that were pursuant of him in free agency this off season who have worse guards. Uh, starting at that position, right, might see him and say, oh, yeah, no, he's, you know, the Chiefs were interested in him, and obviously the Chiefs are having some trouble on the interior, so I'll vote for Andrew Speed. Like, I could see a couple of those, but it certainly ain't the Saints fans that are who would be carrying the majority of that vote. But the funny thing is, is that it's the players that line up not only around him, but the players that line up across from him yep. that have to go, that understand because they meet him play after play after play, exactly how good his play actually is on a consistent basis versus the the big plays that we see on broadcast that are replayed and rerun and clipped and shared and all that other stuff. And then it's the coaches that want him on their team. <laughs> it's so, it's it's interesting. It's but it, really- and it's, it's just weird because you had Larry Warford who made three straight Pro Bowls and he then now cut. you got Andrew <laughs> it. And yeah, Larry got cut and Andrews, people want to cut every week. <laughs> I've never seen two Saints Pro Bowlers who were consistently, uh, you know, in the ire of fans. It, it's, right. I can't think of another franchise where you had people who made the Pro Bowl cons- this many times consecutively who were just like fans are just, nah, I'll take them, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, is that making the Pro Bowl this year means that you were voted as one of the six best players at your position. And with guard, it was not split left guard, right guard. Right. It's just guard. And left guard is going to get more attention because it's the blind side for the quarterback, even though they actually face the not as good pass rushers, which are actually over on the right side most of the time, left defensive side. But that's what's, you know, those left guards are going to get more of those votes within the league. That's just the way it is. <laughs> it's wild. So wild. Uh, Friday, what what if if I had to hold you uh, gun to your head Friday, what do you think happens? Uh 
well, hopefully you let me open my Christmas presents first. Yes. Uh, no, I, th- <laughs> I think, um, I'll take, I'll take the saints in this one because I think they're more desperate than Minnesota is at this point, but I'm not taking that six and a half point spread. I'm just not, I, I think that if the saints win this game, it's, you know, it, it's a, a, a 28 to 24 type of affair. Um, uh, uh, a lot of firepower, underrated firepower and unexpected firepower for the Minnesota Vikings offense and the Saints offense would have to find a way to keep pace with that without allowing it to get to a 35 to 38 type of a situation. 28, 24, a little bit more manageable because you yes. can see maybe even a late touchdown from Minnesota that helps to close that gap up right. or something like that. Right. Uh, so that's what I'll take uh, at, at this moment, looking at that game. Yeah. It, it just, it's been the, it's been the tale all season. The Saints are typically, a touchdown or less around right. the, the teams that they play. And that's, it's for a myriad of reasons, but that's just how these games have played out. Yep. So I, yeah, I can't, I'm not expecting on a short rest um, against a team that does have the talent that Minnesota does have. And they're also desperate too, because Mike Zimmer could be coaching for his job. It's true. That's true. And yeah. you know, because they were in the playoffs a second, mm-hmm. you know, a week ago they lose. Right. And now they, they are, looking on the outside, looking in and trying to yeah. get back in. So they definitely have something to play for. This is not a team that has nothing to play for. There you go. The saints need to win this game, get Mike Zimmer fired, hire him as your defensive coordinator next season, because Dennis Allen's probably getting a job. <laughs> 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 it's the long game, baby. It's, it, it, it's game. funny is that Dennis <laughs> Allen could really end up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That is a place that he really could end up being. Yep. All right, man. Um, I appreciate you doing it a little bit later than normal today. And I know you got so much, uh, so much left on your plate, but please quickly tell the folks again, how they can follow and what you got left coming up before game day. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter, Ross Jackson, Nola. We got uh, a new episode of Locked on Saints up this morning. Got one more coming for you on Christmas Eve. My crossover, Christmas Eve crossover episode with Luke Braun, Locked on Vikings. He and I previewed it, talked a lot of X's and O's, how these two teams should be matching up against each other, where they would falter if they you know make the wrong choices, things like that. Really, really good conversation there. I uh, got a couple of pieces coming up as well over on Canal Street Chronicles, helping get you get ready from the betting perspective. And then uh, you know I've got this uh, ESPN radio spot that I'm about to hit you know, in just a couple of minutes after I'm done with this, but then we'll be over at uh, iHeartRadio and on the ESPN New Orleans website for you to listen to after the fact as well. All right, uh, man, I appreciate it as always. If I don't get to talk to you before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas uh, to you and your beautiful wife. And you and I will talk soon, my friend. Absolutely, man. Merry Christmas to you and the family. And uh, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it the week after. <laughs> That's right. We absolutely will. And we'll do this all over again. So for Ross Jackson, I am David Grubb. You know how to follow me at DM Grubb, Instagram, Twitter, and visit the website HITP with DG.com. Until the next time, this has been the Dome Patrol. All hard to paint. Mm-hmm.